Rolling Hills. Is this one working good? There we go. Okay. I think we'll just use this one. We'll be good to go, Ken. No problem. <laughs> All right. So for today, let's turn to 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 1, beginning in verse 1. And like I said, the reason why I want to turn here today is I believe this topic of mothers is something that is monumental in the scriptures, that we're going to see that everything that God is doing, his general will, his purpose, is found as having a component of that being how God designed motherhood. So in 2 Timothy chapter 1, beginning in verse 1, the Apostle Paul says this, inspired by the Holy Spirit of God. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, according to the promise of the life that is in Christ Jesus. To Timothy, my beloved child, grace and mercy and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God whom I serve, as did my ancestors, with a clear conscience, as I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day, as I remember your tears, I long to see you, that I may be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I'm sure dwells in you as well. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. 
Let's pray as we go to the Holy Scriptures this morning. Father God, we turn to your holy word, and we thank you for this opportunity to gather here this morning, to think about your scriptures, and to celebrate mothers. God, we, you are the giver of good gifts, and all good gifts come from you, so when we think about how appreciative we are for our moms and for our wives and for our grandmothers and for our great-grandmothers, God, we know that ultimately that thanks belongs to you. So I pray that you would be with us as we turn to your scriptures this morning. And in gratitude, we come to you for these great gifts. And let us learn how you design motherhood for your glory. And Jesus, it is in your name that we pray. Amen. What I believe we see in this text today is our first application is this. Mothers are a vital part of God's will. Now, this application is more of a reflection that when we're thinking about mothers today, that there is intentionality, there is purpose in what God is doing through mothers. Now, this text does a great job to help us to see that God longs to use every single mother who looks to him for salvation, for his glory. And every single mother figure who longs to impact the next generation. Before we get to this section where Paul addresses mothers, we need to see the broader context of of what Paul is doing in this text. For our culture today has set aside this day to celebrate mothers. And there are some times that the culture does some things that we have to check the word of God with and see, is this of the world or is this of God? But when our culture today sets aside a day to honor mothers, that is a good thing. And we should applaud the culture for that. And when we look to this text, we see specifically how mothers fit in to God's overall will. Because that's what Paul's dealing with. Look with me again in 2 Timothy chapter 1. 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 1. What does Paul say as as he opens this book? And remember, this book is also a letter. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, according to the promise of the life that is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, my beloved child, grace and mercy and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. Paul is writing to this young man named Timothy, but he is also pointing to the one who is orchestrating everything that's going on in Timothy's life and Paul's life and everyone's life. He says that what God is doing through Timothy is ultimately saturated in the will of God. This letter to Timothy is one of the pastoral letters. It is writing to Timothy how he should pastor the flock of God, but it is also a prison epistle. The Apostle Paul is in prison. Perhaps he's wondering, is this the end? Soon, for the sake of Christ, may Paul become a martyr. And so it is with that heavy reflection that he, that he just wants to get this message to Timothy to continue on this ministry of pointing others to Jesus Christ. We learn in the book of Acts that Timothy was Paul's protege, his apprentice. He served with Paul. He worked under Paul, and Paul mentored him. And Paul wants Timothy to have courage because Timothy is being used to carry out the will of God. You know, as a minister, sometimes I can just see that many people 
desperately want to know this aspect of their lives. What is the will of God? They're desperate to know the will of God. So what does Paul mean here when he says the will of God? Well, the Bible says it like this in Ephesians chapter 3. In Ephesians chapter 3, I believe that the Holy Spirit leads Paul to lay out the Lord's agenda, to show us the Lord's will. In Ephesians 3, verses 6 through 12, this is what the Apostle Paul wrote about the will of God. Verse 6, this mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Of this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of his power. To me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things, so that through the church the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was according to the eternal purposes that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through faith in him. See, sometimes I think we need to be careful. Of course we are creatures, and we are not the creator. So there are some aspects of God's will that are mysterious. But sometimes we can paint God's will as if it's all mysterious. When the Bible says this mystery, it means a solved mystery. It doesn't mean something that remains mysterious. While we can never fully comprehend the divine, we can know this. When Paul speaks of God's will, it is not vague. It is not elusive. We know exactly what it is because God chose to communicate it to Paul. God's will is this, that all people, men and women, children, Jew and Gentile, are invited to come and know Jesus as Lord and Savior. Because the ultimate aim of God's will is that Jesus Christ should be exalted above everything. Everything God is doing is to exalt his Son. And the beautiful part of God's will is you are invited to be a part of that. So when Paul says that he is writing to Timothy and that he's writing as an apostle by the will of God, I believe the will is the good news of Jesus. That he's saying, Timothy, everything God is doing to lift up his son, to exalt Jesus to where he deserves to be. Jesus is the star of this show. It's all about Christ. Timothy, you're invited to be a part of that glorious will, that good news, that in everything, Jesus is Christ, Jesus is Lord, will be exalted as King of kings and Lord of lords. So think about how weighty that is for Timothy. As he reads this letter from Paul, to know that God has this grand plan and everything he's doing to exalt Jesus, Timothy is one component in that system. Timothy is a part of this narrative. Timothy has purpose. 
Now, we're going to see in this text how mothers fit into that plan too. But I want you to see right here what God's will is all about and how Timothy is invited to be a part of that. And in fact, God has been moving in Timothy's life to serve this purpose. For we also see this application from our text this morning. And the application is this. Mothers are used by God to continue the legacy of Christ. One of the reasons why, if you are a mother today, one of the reasons why God put you in this position is because you serve as an important component to continue the legacy of everything that God is doing through Christ. Look with me again in verse 3. I thank God whom I serve, as did my ancestors with a clear conscience, as I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day. As I remember your tears, I long to see you that I may be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I'm sure dwells in you as well. There is a theme in chapter 1. Have you caught it? There is this, this theme that popped up now, not, not twice, but three times. And, and I believe the theme is this that we see as a significant part of the opening of chapter 1. A legacy that continues. A legacy that continues. In verse 2, the Apostle Paul said that he was Timothy's father. But Paul was not Timothy's biological dad. He calls Timothy his child. He is his spiritual dad. And then the Apostle Paul shares this excitement and joy and this opportunity to continue on in God's work, knowing that there were many who walked with the Lord before he did. For look with me in verse 3. The Apostle Paul says, I thank God whom I serve, as did my ancestors, with a clear conscience, as I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day. So he tells Timothy, you're my child, spiritually, not physically. There's a legacy continuing on. But he knows that this rich legacy didn't start with him, for he says, I thank God whom I serve, as did my ancestors. He's saying, Timothy, what, what God is doing in you, he has been orchestrating and planning and sovereign over through many people that brought that legacy to you. And when you think of Noah and Abraham and Moses and David, and when you think of Sarah and Miriam and Hannah and Ruth, when you think of the saints of old who knew the Lord, they ensured that his legacy would go to the next generation. And now here it is, the Apostle Paul passing it on to Timothy. But now we see for a third time there's another legacy here as well. Verse 5, I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that first dwelt in your grandmother Lois, and your mother Eunice, and now I'm sure dwells in you as well. He says that, that legacy that's been passed on from the saints of old to Paul to Timothy, he says a vital component in what God was doing was in his grandmother Lois and his mama Eunice. One of the most wealthy companies in the world today is the company started by Steve Jobs, and that is Apple. 
Something that I find staggering and really kind of a bit perplexing about Apple is they have $195 billion of cash on hand. Cash. Not that they're investing right now. Like, here's their business, and they just keep, like, a Scrooge McDuck pile of money off to the side somewhere. $195 billion. There's no doubt that Apple has had a profound impact on our entire culture. I'm sure many of us in here have an iPhone on us right now. If you're a little older, maybe you can remember growing up and watching shows, maybe like the Jetsons. And, and you saw that they had these watches, and, and the watches, they could touch it, and they would see someone, and they could talk with them. And, and I always thought that was incredible. Like, when that happens, we're in the future. I'm still waiting on the flying car. Well, Apple wanted to sync science fiction and bring it to reality when they created the Apple Watch in 2015. And this master company that's so good at making billions of dollars of profit, they debuted the Apple Watch, but there was a problem. You see, they discovered that there was this engine they had in it called the Taptic Engine, and it was breaking. And they had planned, and they had scrutinized, they'd done everything, and they had released this. They thought, maybe this will be the next iPhone. Maybe this will take us to an even greater level than they already are. And they were breaking over and over, and they had to recall them, and they lost billions of dollars, and they were hoping to make billions of dollars. And why did this all happen? Because one component was broken in the system. Now, you may be saying, Pastor Aaron, what does Apple have to do with mothers? I'm glad you asked. God has this grand system in place. And it is a system in which he is exalting Jesus Christ. This massive system, far more complex than we can imagine. Why are you sitting here this morning? You came in here. We opened the word of God. Think of everything that has come about from the day of Jesus till now. The scriptures that have been passed down to us. The billions who have given their lives to Christ. Those who have invested, people you'll never even know so that this church could be here right now. God has been scheming, planning to interact with you this morning. And this system has a vital component to it. God uses many things, many components that we may take for granted. That maybe one of the reasons why you're even thinking about Jesus this morning is that Sunday school teacher that taught you as a child that you don't even really think about. But God had as a vital component, that neighbor who invited you to church, that Bible you started reading that day, that moment you were late for something and started talking with someone and the conversation turned to Jesus Christ. Little components, little moments that you may not have even realized God was using to pursue you. You see, in this grand scheme that God is doing, we see him pursuing a man that will change history, one of the earliest church leaders here in Timothy. And we see that Timothy is a vital component to everything that God is going to do to leave us a, this very book of the Bible that we're looking at this morning. But we see two components that were so crucial in what God was doing in the life of Timothy and what God's doing in your life this morning, and those components 
were his mom, Eunice, and his grandmother, Lois. Two vital components. Verse 5 again. I'm reminded of your sincere faith. A faith that dwelt first in your grandmother, Lois, and your mother, Eunice, and now I'm sure dwells in you. In other words, part of the way that God pursued Timothy was by pursuing Lois to know her and by pursuing Eunice to know her and inviting them to be a part of a relationship where they had to make Jesus known to others, especially their son, especially Lois's grandson. They have this child that they love. Did they know that Timothy would be a leader of the early church? Did they know that two books in the Bible would be written to him? What did they know about this plan that God had for Timothy? I don't know, but I know this. They sincerely loved God. And because of that, they could not help but to sincerely love Timothy. And Paul tells Timothy to fan that flame to continue that pattern because they had a genuine faith, a genuine, sincere faith. And those are words of high praise for any believer. We live in a world where many people claim to follow Jesus with their lips, but their actions betray the commitment they confess. We dwell in a society where many may claim the name Christian, but those who look at their life wonder if that is a sincere confession. But you know what is said about this mother Eunice and this grandmother Lois? They were authentic. They were not following Jesus to fit into their little church setting. They were not going through the motions. They genuinely loved the Son of God. And when they called Jesus Lord, you could see it, not merely in their declaration, but also in their exaltation. When they taught Timothy about the Lord who died for him and how he should live for Christ, he didn't look at them and see hypocrisy in their life. He didn't see them telling them one thing, but living a life that was something else. Nor did he see in Lois and Eunice a holier-than-thou attitude where they thought they were better than people. No, he saw in them the gospel. And in the gospel that he saw in them, there was this truth. They saw themselves as sinners. And their only hope to be found in the sinless one in Jesus. Because they authentically, accurately, understood the good news of Christ. And what is the result? Timothy, by God's grace, is found living in the same pattern. What a blessing to Eunice. What a joy to Lois. You see, God created the family in part, not in its fullness, but in part, to be a mechanism with which parents would pass on the legacy of Jesus to their children, a love of God to their offspring. God told this to the nation of Israel. In Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 9, God is speaking to his people in Deuteronomy 4, verse 9, and he says this, Only take care 
and keep your soul diligently, lest you forget the things that your eyes have seen, and lest they depart from your heart all the days of your life. Make them known to your children and your children's children. You know, I can, um, I can remember growing up and, and being, being little, and uh, I remember my mom used to always say something to me. She would say, Aaron, I can do a lot of things for you. Uh, and she did. I was probably spoiled a little bit by that. She said, Aaron, I could do a lot of things for you, but I can't get you into heaven. Only Jesus can do that. Just a simple phrase she would say to me when I was little. And it just stuck out to me that our salvation, our hope is only found in Christ. Now I see my wife, Leslie, with my children. And I see my wife teaching them about the Lord and about Scripture. I'm so thankful for her. And she makes life so much fun, way more fun than dad can make it. And consistently points out that when we experience those moments of joy, that that's a gift from the Lord. When we're at, when we're at the zoo and, and we're just looking at animals or something, she always is connecting it back. Isn't God a wonderful creator? That, that legacy, that's where moms come in. That, that mothers are that vital component in this grand system of how God is exalting Christ. And I thank God that when we look at church life, there are mothers and there's also mother figures and mentors. There are women who want to make sure that the next generation, that the children, that the youth know of Christ. And you can see that burden is upon them. And I thank God that when these women open up 2 Timothy, they see grand models in Lois and Eunice of how to pass on that legacy. And how did they do so? First, they understood their obligation to God. They knew that it was their responsibility to invest into Timothy but second, and I think this is so crucial, I do not think that Lois and Eunice felt this guaranteed Timothy would follow the Lord. You see, when we invest in the children, sometimes this is difficult to wrestle with, but it's so true. The result isn't up to us. We are to be faithful in passing on the legacy, but the result is up to God, and the result is also impacted by the willingness of the individual. I think sometimes we can get discouraged. There are many godly mothers and fathers who raise their kids right, and there are many mentors. Paul says that, that he's a spiritual dad to Timothy in this text. Even though he wasn't his biological dad, there are mentors and spiritual moms, spiritual dads who invest into a younger generation, and they want, of course, to see these kids grow up and embrace the faith. Yet sometimes children grow up and reject the gospel. You know, as a parent, I pray that my kids will walk in the ways of God. But I know this, a parent's responsibility, a mentor's commitment is to teach them of Christ. Yet in the end, these children have to choose to know the Lord as well. They have to become adults, and that rests on them. And even if we would love to make them make the choice, God made them as individuals as much as he made you an individual, and you have to choose. Mothers, you are called by God to raise your children in a way 
where they see Jesus' love in you, but it is not your responsibility nor in your power to make them walk with the Lord. Mothers, grandmothers, mother figures, matriarchs of a local church, Sunday school teachers and the like, you are so important in everything that God is doing to lift up Christ. You are used by God. Your role is to raise them in a genuine atmosphere so that they can see when they look at you someone who isn't perfect, someone who isn't holier than thou, someone also on the flip side of that who isn't a hypocrite, but just someone who loves Jesus. Someone who knows the Lord. Someone who walks with him. So here's what I hope I didn't communicate with this sermon. I hope I never tried to communicate with this sermon that this is going to be a 12-step plan to guarantee that your child will be faithful to Jesus. Because I'm going to tell you, that doesn't exist. But God has called mothers to live in such a way that that child sees a life that has an authentic encounter with the Lord, with Christ. And church, for the next generation, we all bear that responsibility. A responsibility to lay down our kingdom that our lives may be saturated in the will of God. A responsibility to leave a legacy. A responsibility to live life in such a way that it points others to Jesus. For our lives, that is the will of God. Let's pray. Father God, God, we thank you that even when we pray to you, it is through your scripture that you teach us that we are to call you Father. You are a parent to everyone that is called upon Jesus Christ, and, and the role of parent is so significant. And God, I do thank you once again. We can't thank you enough for the gift of mothers, for our moms and our grandmothers that built into us. God, I thank you for the women who have been spiritual moms to so many throughout your churches, raising them, always pointing them to you. And I, and I pray that's what we can be for the next generation, that we can be a people who fully admit that we have no hope. We are sinners, and, and we have no hope except Jesus Christ. But I pray they do see us hope in you, and they see authentic change in our lives because we have that hope. And I pray for the next generation that becomes their hope too. That you sent Jesus into this world. That he came looking for us and showing us your love and ultimately died in our place. Took on our sin that we may have his righteousness. And we believe it is this Christ who rose again. And we read the testimony of these powerful women of Lois and Eunice. We see that the reason their testimony is so powerful is really not about them, but it's because of you who saved them and you who seek to save us today as well. It is your legacy that we pray we continue on, for you are worthy 
of lives committed to that cause. In Jesus, it is in your name that we pray. Amen. Let us stand. We will close singing the praises of the King of kings and Lord of lords. And if